You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. He is Brandon Lee Gowden. What is up, BLG? Stats. I'm doing good. Eagles training camp begins tomorrow as we're recording this, so I'm ready. This is what I like about you. All year last year, you talked about your dissatisfaction with the Philadelphia Eagles and how upset you were about the team, the direction, everything. You were just not a very happy Eagles fan. And before uh-huh. we press record today, you say, I'm excited. And I say, why? And you say, camp starts tomorrow. I like that you are pumped up about going to camp, even though you think your team stinks. I love training camp stats. It's not that I think the team is going to be amazing. I, I just love training camp because it's fun to follow. I feel like I'm doing a, <laughs> this is crazy to say, I feel like I'm doing something good in the world, which <laughs> is, again, very ridiculous because I'm really not. But in the case of Eagles fans, most of them can't go to training camp. I like being their eyes and ears and kind of trying to make them feel like they're there with me. So I kind of enjoy that. Are you going to play rock, paper, scissors with Nick Sirianni again? Well, I did beat him, so I mean, <laughs> I think it's up to him at this point. If he wants to initiate a best two out of three or something, I feel like I can't do it again without him being like, all right, it's come on, man. What are you doing to me? So I already beat him. If he wants to challenge me, I will accept the challenge. I'd love to do it maybe here on the podcast. Who, who knows? We can figure it out. But uh, yeah, I, I am open to offers from Nick Sirianni, if he even still remembers who I am. I think he remembers the 6'9" guy who was covering the team yeah i'm pretty sure and you have nothing to lose in that scenario because if you play him again and you lose okay you're tied 1-1 but if you win now you're 2-0 on siriani you could hold that over his head forever yeah i really can i think it kind of gives me full authority too to question any decision he makes i mean like how can he be like well that guy doesn't know anything of course i know stuff i just beat you in rock paper scissors twice (laughs) Even if he wins a Super Bowl, you could be like, yeah, but you're 0-2 in rock, paper, scissors. So, like, they, you got it. I would love to be able to say I'd be a Super Bowl, Bowl winning head coach in rock, paper, scissors. I mean, who's the real Super Bowl champion at that point? I mean, I think the answer is clear. You need to get a ring. You got to get all over that. Uh, we're going to talk about the AFC East today. This is our last divisional preview. Over the past two weeks, we have been going through every division and picking an all-star team for you. Check out the SB Nation NFL feed if you missed any of the divisions. The AFC East is last today, so we're going to get to that. But before we do, the world can finally spin again because Aaron Rodgers, BLG, is back in camp with the Packers at least for one more year, our long national nightmare is over. So I know what you're going to say, Stats, and I know what the listeners are going to say. They're going to say, BLG, you were wrong because Aaron Rodgers showed up. But in response to that, I will say, actually, 
I was right. Because Adam Schefter said, Stats, that Aaron Rodgers was, in fact, planning not to attend camp unless sure he was. there were concessions. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Sure he was. Yep. Big tough guy. Well, then why are the Packers making these concessions? Because they Otherwise. didn't really make any concessions, BLG. The only concession they made was that they tore up 2023 in his contract. So he's not That's huge. Be That's not nothing. That's nothing. If that, they how wanna, is it nothing? If they want to keep Aaron Rodgers next year, guess what? They can. So and we could be right back in this situation again next year. They can make all the verbal promises they want to him about reviewing the situation and all that crap. But really, all they gave up was 2023, which they may not have wanted Aaron Rodgers in 2023 anyway. Hmm. I think it hasn't been finalized officially as we're recording this podcast, but I did see Adam Schefter say in there, the biggest concession being that Aaron Rodgers would get to pick his next team next year. I yeah, think that's how? pretty significant. How? Because I don't know how it's going to work logistically, but it seems like they're going to bake that into his contract or something. Obviously the, the, the last year's on a void. Um, I don't, I don't know the machinations, machinations, whatever the pronunciation is <laughs> of that stats, but it's, it's, there definitely are some things that are going to happen. And one of them is weird because apparently it's trading for Randall Cobb, which I guess still hasn't officially happened yet, but he definitely did get some concessions. I don't think he did. I think this is Schefter carrying the water for Aaron Rodgers. He gets the freedom to decide where he wants to play in 2022 was Schefter's final tweet on the subject, but the contract still goes through 2022. His freedom comes in 2023. So I, I don't get it. I don't think it was. I think he totally backed down. As I said, he would. He talked tough. He seemed like he was going to play hardball, which was cool because I, I really would have liked to see how that situation played out because most NFL superstars do not do that. And I think he was afraid to be seen as the villain. He was afraid to really use all his leverage. And so he took his foot off the Packers throat. And guess what? Here's training camp. First day of camp. Aaron Rodgers is there, just as I said he would be. So I talked about this with RJ on Monday, and it was kind of before, I think, all the concession stuff came out. Um, and we were kind of both talking about how this just feels so, feels so weird still. Like, is this a healthy dynamic? Like, this one, this last dance thing. I mean, like, clearly that's what it seems like this is. I mean, you saw Aaron Rodgers post that along with Devontae Adams. Um, it, it's just like, is this truly a team i mean obviously from a talent level and how good they've been the past two years they've won what 13 games each year they've yep. been to the nfc championship game twice in a row did they make it this year i can't remember it's been such a twice long off in a row yep and they didn't win but they bid there so you're expecting them you know to be a really good team again this season at the very least in the regular season so i think they're gonna make the playoffs obviously i mean and they're very much a threat to win double digit games but like is this really the team that's finally going to get over the hump with this dynamic going on? Like this is the thing that's going to help push them over the top after they seemingly were better off in previous years. Like, I just don't know about that. I completely agree with you. I actually tweeted out earlier on Tuesday. I don't know who's going to win the Super Bowl in 2021, but I know for damn sure who's not going to win the Super Bowl. And it's the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers has one foot out the door already. And to give you an example, Ian Rappaport tweeted uh, on Monday, I believe, Aaron Rodgers has indicated to people close to him that he does plan to play for the Packers this season. 
David Bakhtiari, his left tackle, quote tweeted that tweet and said, wow, guess we aren't close people, which means Aaron Rodgers didn't even tell his left tackle what his plans were. He is one foot out the door. We've seen this before, BLG. It didn't work for Tom Brady in 2019 when he set up everything Mm -hmm. in his contract to be gone after that season. Last time we saw the Patriots with Tom Brady, he was getting his ass whooped by the Titans in the playoffs. It's not going to work with Aaron Rodgers. You can't have your most important player with his eyes already looking past the season that hasn't even begun yet. That just ain't going to work even in a weak NFC. It feels weird to me. Um, it, it just feels like it's like, and RJ said this too. It's like, it really is Super Bowl or bust because like what's on the other side of this. It doesn't work out. You're going to lose Aaron Rodgers. You're going to let him dictate where he wants to go, uh, which who knows where that will even be. Um, and then you're just going to move on to Jordan Love. Even if he has like, let's say he's the MVP again for the second year in a row. And like, he's just gone. Um, so it feels really weird. It feels like the Packers could be making a mistake in hindsight when you're looking at this and like, wow, they really should have actually just traded Rodgers, maximized the value. This dynamic was never going to work when he comes back and it's not like this really you know, harmonious team or there's this weird vibe lingering around. Like that happens in sports, by the way. Like that doesn't – does not – does that not absolutely happen where there are teams that can be really good, but there's like this weird vibe around them. And it's just like, they can't get over the hump. It feels like the Packers could be that team. I've seen it with the 49ers in the last year of Jim Harbaugh. They had a really good team still, but there was just this negative juju like that. It was Harbaugh's (laughs) last year. The team had uh, the stadium situation was weird. Half the team was dressing in a different locker room, like stuff like that. As long as these sports are played by human beings, this stuff is always going to matter. And I'm sorry, that is just not a good look for Green Bay. I agree with you. I think that they maybe would have been better off just moving on from him. Let's say they win the Super Bowl this year, though, through some miracle. Mm -hmm. Like that is going to be the weirdest situation of all time. You could have Aaron Rodgers potentially winning two straight MVPs, if not, you know, one MVP in 2020, winning the Super Bowl, and then is he still going to want to leave? Because why would he want to leave if the team was good enough to win the Super Bowl? Wouldn't that have eased all of his concerns? Like, it's such a weird thing, and I just, I think it's just bad. Look, things wouldn't end if they didn't end badly, and for Green Bay, this is the end of the era. They'll probably make the playoffs this year, but I don't. again, they ain't winning the Super Bowl and we'll see what happens going on after that. The only thing I can think of is like maybe it's some kind of Brady thing. I think I mentioned this before. Like he spent time, he's been hanging out with Tom Brady a little bit. Maybe like seeing Tom win in different location has kind of made him like really kind of like look at, hmm, like I could do that too. And I could kind of make it known that it wasn't just the team around me. Not that I think people really think that about Aaron Rodgers anyway, but you can kind of just like end all doubt about that and uh, just kind of put your stamp on that. So that's the only thing I can think of. But yeah, it is weird to think about like, like, is he is there a situation where he stays? I mean, it just it's really weird. That's a really good point. Like Brady, the talk was, oh, it's all Belichick. He benefits from Belichick and the defense and whatever. Rogers is kind of like the anti-Brady, right? He's been the opposite of that, especially me. I give him all the credit for the success that Green Bay has had. I don't give Mike McCarthy any of the credit. I think <laughs> yeah. it was all Aaron Rodgers. I think Rodgers is winning despite Mike McCarthy. And yet, yeah, I think I agree. 
I think he looks at the Brady situation and is like, you know what? Maybe it would be pretty good to play in like a warm weather team with a ton of great weapons around me and a defense full of young studs. Like, I could see myself in that situation. I get why Aaron Rodgers would want out. I just think that the way he's handled it and the way the team has handled it has been a disaster on both sides. What else do we have on the docket here tonight? All right. Well, we still have our final division. Like we said, we're going to pick the AFC East All-Star team. So let's take our break now. And when we come back, we will bang through every position in the AFC East. Some tough ones, but this was one of the easier divisions for me overall. We'll explain why when we come back. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on the SB Nation NFL show. Okay, BLG, we have the final division of our divisional previews, the AFC East. And I don't know how often I've been able to say this in my lifetime. The best quarterback in the AFC East plays for the Buffalo Bills, and it ain't close. Yeah, I mean, who else could you realistically take here? Like, who's second for you? Which which quarterback? <laughs> you have to take a quarterback that isn't Josh Allen to be your backup on this hypothetical team. Are you taking Tua? Are you taking... Cam Newton or taking Mac Jones even, or are you taking Zach Wilson? Yeah. Flip a coin. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you take. They're all at the same level. I actually was going to save this little liner for later, but like I'll take Cam Newton as the best running back in the division. Mm. Quite honestly, forget backup quarterback, but uh, let's just focus on Josh Allen for now. Mm -hmm. Here's how good the bills offense was last year. They punted 42 times. Since they switched to a 16-game schedule, only one other team has punted fewer than that, and that was the 1990 Houston Oilers. That's how good Josh Allen was with the Buffalo Bills last year. They were incredible, over 4,500 passing yards, 45 total touchdowns for Josh Allen. He was an absolute monster to me, BLG. The whole season comes down to, is that now the level that he's going to play at, or will there be some regression there? 
I think it's inevitable, as we've talked about, that there's going to be regression here, too. And that doesn't mean Josh Allen is going to be a bad player all of a sudden. It's just a matter of, like, how much of a step is he going to take back? It's kind of what we said about Lamar going into last year. Like, Mm -hmm. he's not going to be the same Lamar Jackson that he was when he won the MVP. It's just not going to happen again. But he could still be pretty good. And, you know, he was. So uh, maybe we see that kind of similar step back. It's just really so interesting with him because we've talked about it before, that big jump in accuracy. Like, that's just... There isn't like this really, you know, precedent, I feel like, for that. That is accuracy to me, at least. That's kind of feels like something like you, you almost either have or you don't. And obviously, you can improve things. You can tweak your mechanics over time and, you know, make some improvements. But like drastically, like that's, that's I think, rare. Like Josh Allen is the exception to the rule if he's able to do that and maintain this. So uh, I think we're going to see some drop off, but I still think he's going to be pretty good and easily the best quarterback in this division. I agree on accuracy. Like you said, some things can be improved, but the massive jump he made, you just don't see in the history of the NFL. I think it'll come down a little. I also think he benefits big time from the fact that nobody hired Brian Dayball as a head coach. So he gets consistency. I don't think people realize how important and helpful that is, especially for younger quarterbacks. He doesn't have to relearn anything. Instead of spending the offseason learning a new offense, he can spend it on improving what he's done last year. There's always things you can get better at, and he could focus on that. I think Josh Allen's going to have a very, very big year. He is definitely the best quarterback in this division. Now we get to running back. <sighs> and I got to tell you, like I would, I made the joke about Cam Newton earlier. Like He might be the best runner in this division. I don't love any of these guys. I was looking at the depth charts in the AFC East stats, and I was looking at one, and I was like, huh, not really good. Let me look at the next one. There has to be someone better on that one. And I kept doing that, and I was like, wait a minute. None of these players are good. Um, So I ultimately came down between two picks, and I had James White, but I don't think I could take him because it's just like his running efficiency hasn't been there. Obviously, you know, he's known more as a pass catcher, and there's value in that. And I think James White is a nice player. A good, like He's a really good role player to have. Yes. But he's he's not, like, headlining the all-NFC East team, which I have Devin Singletary instead. But, like, that's really nothing amazing. He's kind of just, like, the best of the worst here. Yeah, that's who, exactly who I had. He had almost 1,000 yards from scrimmage last year. The thing I like about him is that he forces a lot of missed tackles which, uh, you know, can allow you to succeed maybe despite some of the things that are going on around you. But yeah, he's the best of a bad bunch. And I I don't think we need to to belabor it because there are some other interesting picks here. So Devin Singletary, congrats. You are the best of that group. Uh, Wide receiver, first choice, Stephon Diggs. Easy. First season with a new team in Buffalo. All he does is lead the league in catches with 127 and lead the league in receiving yards with 1,535 eight touchdowns. He's almost uncoverable man to man. I love Stefan Diggs. He had 73 first downs last year, BLG. Absolute stud. I think you can argue, and maybe it's not even an argument for some, he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. Like, I think he, there's the case to be made. Like, he's that that good, especially when he's on. Like, you just said it. He was, especially last year. Like, he might have been the best receiver in the league last year. Just awesome player, thriving in Buffalo. He's going to continue to do big things for him, and he's going to be a big reason why Josh Allen probably still does pretty good this year. Yeah, I think a huge part of the reason we have saw such an improvement from Allen was the addition of Diggs. And by the way, I just love his personality. Like, as a guy, he's one of my favorite players in the entire league. He's just a fun guy. He has, you know, he's a character, which I like. 
I'm rooting for him definitely this year. Congrats, Stefan Diggs. You are the best wide receiver in the AFC East. After that, it gets a little interesting. Mm. Who did you have at number two? I want to see if you agree with who I took. I'm going to say Devontae Parker here. And I think it's kind of cool how Devontae Parker's career has gone in that a lot of people thought he was a bust early on. Yep. And to his credit, he really turned things around, much to the chagrin of the Eagles at a point where he was like catching touchdowns over them when they lost, I believe, in 2019. Um, yeah. So he's a really fun player to watch when he's on because he's like you can you can make catches at the high point and make these, you know, big plays. Um, I think the way he's turned around is really impressive. And again, I remember people talking about like just trying to get what you could for him and like him being a potential reclamation project. But no, he's a very good wide receiver now. Over the last two years, he has 55 catches of 15 yards or more. That's tied for seventh best in the NFL. That's a big play guy there. And he hasn't exactly played with, you know, the best quarterbacks in his career. So I give him a little credit for that. I have no problem with you putting him on the list. I actually wanted to give a little love to a newcomer the division Mm. and that's Corey davis now of the new york jets after signing a free agent deal i saw this little nugget and i I was kind of blown away with it over the past two years according to pro football focus 63 percent of Corey davis's targets were catchable just 63 percent that's pretty bad and despite that he's taken almost a quarter of those catches and turned them into 15 yard or more gains so even though he's had basically crap people throwing him the football, he's still done something with it. I think he's going to a good situation with the Jets. I like the offensive system they're going to run there because it's the Kyle Shanahan system, which has been proven to be successful with a variety of guys. And again, I don't love the rest of the receivers in this division. So Parker is good. And I threw Corey Davis on there as well. I also had Corey Davis on here. Uh, I'm not like the most bullish on his outlook. I have some level of optimism for the Jets here. I think you have to remember at the past couple of years, especially Titans rank in the bottom of the NFL in throwing attempts. Like this isn't like, you know, a pass happy offense. They're running the football with Derrick Henry. Now, obviously the efficiency of the Titans passing offense is really good, but you know, Corey Davis hasn't had a thousand yard receiving season, I think in part because they're just, they haven't been that type of offense. I think we could see that change very well with the Jets and probably the very best wide receiver they've had in quite a long time. So I get it. I had to leave Will Fuller off here stats just because guys always hurt. He's missed 10 games in the past two years. He missed uh, nine games the year before that. He's never actually played in the 16-game season. The most was 14. So I just couldn't put him on here because of durability issues. Obviously, he's a great deep threat. He's great at really he does when he's on the field, but I couldn't give it to him uh, with the durability concerns. Yeah, he was one of those guys where, like, I remember the ball would be in the air going deep to him, and I remember thinking distinctly, how does this dude keep getting open deep? Like, that's the only thing he does, but he's really, really good at it. But I agree, you can't you can't be on the list here and among the all-star team if you can't stay on the field. I do want to give a little quick shout-out to Cole Beasley. Not my favorite player mm. in the NFL right now because I think he's being ridiculous about the vaccines, but he is one of the better slot receivers in the league. He ran more than 88% of his routes from the slot last year. He's really good against zone coverage. He's exactly what you want in a slot receiver. Uh, But again, not my favorite dude right now, but I want to try and separate that because he is a good player. 
Hopefully, for the Bills' sake, he'll be able to be available for them. Uh, also, want to give a shout out to Jalen Waddle, who I think you know is really exciting as a rookie and has a lot of potential. And if Tua turns out to be good, which is a big if, I mean Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, if he can stay healthy, and Jalen Waddle, like, it's a nice little group there. Absolutely, they have potential there off the charts. Generally, for these, I have not put rookies on the list. I don't know where you come down on this. My thing is, even if I think you're going to be good. Until you do it, I don't want to hear about you. Like, I'm not putting Kyle Pitts on the list of best tight ends in the league. I'm just not doing it. Guys bust all the time in the NFL. You got to show me that you can do it. I do not care what you did in college. Tim Tebow is one of the best college football players of all time. One of the best I've ever seen. And that dude was horrible in the NFL. So until you do it in the big leagues, I don't care what you did in college. Yeah, but you put Tim Tebow on your tight end list, and he has never done that before. So what is this logic that you're doing right now? Did you see the AFC South tight ends? And by the way, is Tim Tebow a rookie? No, he is not a rookie. So how dare you? How dare you, sir? Well, why don't we transition to the AFC East tight end position? A little nice transition. See what I did there? Stats really just a pros pro move, really also highlighting it. Yeah, (laughs) I'm really drawing attention to it. All right, so I think for me, easy, it's Mike Gusecki. I think he has to be the guy. Um, again, another nice little option there for Tua. If Tua can kind of uh, get it together. Hasn't had that like huge year yet. You know, obviously had the best season of his career last year with 703 yards, a career high 13.3 yards per reception. Did have also a career high in touchdowns with six. Like I think again, if Tua can kind of be the guy, like I think his production could kind of explode here, and he can be the guy. And yes, over Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. Right. I was tempted to go with the Patriots roster since they seemingly just attacked tight ends in free agency, but I went with Jacecki as well. He's one of the few Dolphins I want to point out whose production actually went up when Tua was the quarterback. In six games mm. with Tua, he caught an extra pass per game with him under center. So they clearly have a connection there. I think he's a, a red zone just huge red zone threat. I mean, remember those two one-handed catches he had last year? Like he is a freakish athlete, especially for a dude, his size. I think I agree. I I would, I think even in like fantasy, I would take him over anybody on the Patriots. Do you like Mike Gusecki more than you like your guy in San Fran who doesn't score touchdowns? Um, I mean, what you're obsessed with this. I like George Kittle better. But George Kittle still needs to score more touchdowns. Like, those two things can happen at the same time, you jerk. All right. Um, Why don't we move to the offensive line here? And to keep it simple, stats, because I know you hate offensive linemen. Uh, (laughs) I wanted to go with PFF's number third, like their third overall offensive line, which I was actually kind of surprised to see. I didn't realize PFF was this high on this unit, because I don't think we talk about this unit as, like, one of the very best, like, elite offensive lines in the league. But it's actually the Patriots. They have the group of Isaiah Wynn, Michael Onwenu, David Andrews, Shaq Mason, and Trent Brown. So the you know Patriots losing one of their key offensive linemen uh, to the Chiefs this offseason, and they're still at the top here. Look, you can't have the year that, that Cam Newton had last year without a really good offensive line. And the one thing I do worry about is Dante Scarnecchia is not going to be there for the Patriots. He retired, and so... That a lot of people give them give him specifically a ton of credit for getting the most out of the offensive line. There, he's not there. There may be some drop off, but I'm not going to argue with him. I don't hate offensive linemen. 
I do hate going through, scrubbing through the list to try and find the best offensive lineman in the AFC East, but I understand their importance to the game. They're massively important. They don't score touchdowns, though, so you probably don't like that. But they let um, everybody else score touchdowns. George Kittle doesn't do that either, you jerk. Okay. Well, George Kittle actually gets the 49ers to the red zone, though. But you, apparently that doesn't count the same. You don't get any points for that. <laughs> I just love this bit. Um, <laughs> flipping to the defense here, stats. Went with two edge rushers, and I pick Jerry Hughes, who may be underrated. Like, really good, productive edge rusher for the Bills. And a key part of their defense, obviously. And again, another player who at one time was kind of thought to be a bust, uh, I believe, with the Colts, but kind of like came on and has obviously really had a nice career now with the Bills. And I had newcomer into the division, Matt Judon, across from him. Oh, Matt Judon. Okay, I agree on Jerry Hughes. Over the last three years, only four guys have a better pass rush win weight than Jerry Hughes. So I give full credit to him for that. Plus, Buffalo has invested in pass rushers with their draft class. And so I think they're going to actually keep him a little bit fresher, which I think even if he doesn't play as many snaps, he might actually have more production this year. So Jerry Hughes was on my list. I went with Carl Lawson, newcomer to the division as well. Uh, Now with the Jets, fifth highest pressure rate among edge rushers last year, second in quarterback hits. I love Robert Sala, as you know. So if I give, you know, I think Sala can give those guys a little bit of a boost. So I went with Lawson on the edge. I like the Lawson pick. I remember draft Twitter being really high on him and liking him a lot more than like, you know, where he actually got drafted and everything. And I think he could kind of be poised to break out here in a bigger role with the Jets. So I, uh, that's a really good pick by you. I like that. All right. That was almost a compliment. I, almost. I'm not used to that from you. Uh, interior defensive line. Quinn and Williams for me was the number one choice. You know, sometimes like we have high expectations for someone and if they don't like fulfill those expectations in year one, we kind of write them off. And I know that Quinn and Williams rookie year was not what everybody expected, but he's been really, really good since then. Fourth in pass rush win rate and first in run stop win rate. Uh, he's a fantastic player in the middle of the field. He's exactly what you want. And he gets pressure BLG, which not a lot of defensive tackles do eighth in pressure rate among defensive tackles. He's also only 23 years old. So we very much have not seen the best of him like there's still a lot of room to grow here i think i don't have it in front of me but you you might look at like defensive tackles that came out in this past draft there might be like 22 or 23 some of those they have drafted i'm sure it might right. be even older than him so like that's pretty good i still think there's a lot of potential with quinn and williams here also stats i don't know about you but sometimes do you ever like find yourself going through maybe a roster or something and seeing like oh i kind of lost track of that like that's a signing that fell between the cracks like i forgot this guy is on this team now and for me, that was Sheldon Rankins being on the Jets now. I was like, oh, I didn't know he wasn't with the Saints anymore. And that is a really good interior for the Jets there. For all the issues the Jets may have and fall, it's like they, I mean, they clearly here have the best, I think, interior defensive line combo in the division. And I think that's a nice thing to have. I had Rankins down on my list as well. And even the number three guy was also a New York Jet in Fuller mm. Run Show, Futukasi. So he's not a pass rusher. He's more of a run stuffer up the middle. But over the last two years, he's been fantastic against the run. That's three deep for the Jets on the interior defensive line. You got to love that if you're a Jet fan. That's a fantastic way to build your defense. 
I can see a lot of Joe Douglas influence there. Stats back in Philly. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when Joe Douglas was in Philly, you know, you had Fletcher Cox. Joe Douglas brought Timmy Jernigan, who he had known from the Ravens when he was in Baltimore, to Philly. And the Eagles won a Super Bowl. And having that interior you know, disruption really worked well for them. So I think he's definitely trying to replicate that there for the Jets. And to have you know two players that can really get interior disruption, like pass rush, like you're talking about, like that's something to be excited about. And if you are a Jet fan, I think you should be happy about the fact that you've got that influence from Douglas combined with Robert Sala, who clearly values pressure from the defensive line. If you look at how the 49ers built their defense, you got to like that those two guys are on the same page in terms of cohesion and team building. That's a nice sign for the Jets. Um, Again, I don't know how it's going to work out. I think it's going to go well, but you got to at least like that they seem to be on the the same page in New York, which God knows with Adam Gase, you could not say that the past few years. Uh, moving to linebacker, I have two written down here, but I could really kind of cheat and just go with the dime again and have one. But I, I did feel good about having two. It wasn't like a stretch. And that's Dante Hightower, who didn't even play last year, but I yep. still think he's a really good player. And maybe, hey, maybe a year off will actually be good for him in terms of be like fresh and uh, like unusually like NFL, like NFL players usually are not because they don't get years off too often. Um, so I had him and then I have Matt Milano down there. I went with Tremaine Edwards. I also have uh, Dante Hightower, by the way. 81 total pressures over the last two years that he's played, including the playoffs. Fantastic. Do-everything guy for Bill Belichick. Um, I went with Tremaine Edwards from Buffalo. He trails only Bobby Wagner in tackles for loss or no gain over the last three years. As a linebacker, like, yes, please, sign me up for that. That's exactly what I want. Um He does miss some tackles, which I want to be fair about. 57 missed tackles. Mm. Not great. Um, But, you know, I think he's in a position to make plays. And he, like I said, most of the time he does make them. So he was my number two linebacker. But I don't have any issue with Milano there either. So either way, you know, a Bills player. Bills are getting representation here either way. uh, It's the point we can have here. Now, cornerback stats, this to me is very easy. And what a group of cornerbacks this is. What a trio I have here. First being, at least for the time being, he's a Miami Dolphin. We'll see if that remains the case in Xavier Howard. It's it may not remain the case much longer. Literally, as we record this, Xavier Howard has requested a trade. He announced on Instagram, I've given my heart and soul to the Miami Dolphins franchise since they drafted me in 2016. And I want to make it clear, I love my teammates. But what I've learned in this business is the NFL proves organizations don't always have a player's best interest at heart. And he goes on to, you know, it's a lengthy statement here. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he wants out officially. He has made it official. But as of this recording, he's a member of the AFC East. He's in there clearly. 18.7% of targets to him have been either broken up or intercepted since he's come into the league. That is the most in the NFL 10 picks last year. He led the league in interceptions for the second time in his career, by the way, and he led the league in passes defended with 20. What an absolute star. 10 interceptions in 16 games. I would say it was pretty decent. That's pretty good. I would like that throwing at Xavier Howard. Yeah, what are teams doing? Seriously. Um, but kind of a big issue here and really funny and timely that that would happen while we're recording this. I just saw this, too. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a big problem for the Dolphins, who, again, like, I mean, like, like you felt like you were kind of over this, right? Like you're done selling the players. Now you're trying to build around to it. You're trying to get this thing on the up. And now one of your, you're arguably you're the best player on the entire team doesn't want to be here anymore. Like, Not really good. 
No, that's a crusher for Brian Flores and this defense because I think the defense was the strength of Miami's team last year. And like you said, there's a huge, massive piece here right as training camp starts. You know, I'm, I'm sure they could get a good return for him. But like you said, they it's winning time for Miami now. You supposedly got your quarterback of the future. They have a pretty good offense like you outlined. Now is the time to, you know, possibly challenge for a wild card in the AFC. And there's a, this is a huge monkey wrench in those plans. What are you trading Xavier and Howard for? Like you're not trying the Dolphins have draft picks. They don't need more draft picks. Like True. they need something that can help them win now. So like, are you trading for like Chandler Jones? Like, is this some kind of deal there? You know, like where two players get a change of scenery or something? I, I don't know, but like I just think this is a really bad situation for the Dolphins, which is actually good news for the Eagles stats because of course the Eagles have the Dolphins first round pick next year. That's interesting. You know, I didn't you you're right. Like they don't need draft picks. Do you try to package Xavier Howard in a deal for Deshaun Watson if he eventually becomes available? Because if you put him in there with some of the picks, maybe you could make a pretty attractive package. You could even throw two in there if you wanted to. Uh, but I agree with you. Like at some point, adding another draft pick, even if it's really good, the va- there's diminishing returns in terms of that value, I think. Another little issue here, just with Xavier Howard, I think part of the issue is that he is hap- not happy. He's getting less money than Byron Jones, you know, who the mm-hmm. Dolphins made a big splash for in free agency last year. And that's kind of something that teams talk about a lot, like why they don't want to pay certain players and why that kind of matters in terms of uh, like who's getting paid and how that, that. So you're seeing it happen here in terms of the, the, the dynamic of, you know, this guy who is not as good as me is getting more money. And that's kind of an issue. So uh, not good there for the Dolphins. But the other cornerbacks I had here, stats are pretty obvious too. I mean, Stephon Gilmore, again, obvious. Now, you know, he has his own kind of contract situation, right, with the Patriots too. Yep. And he's, he's beginning camp on the, on the pup list. So kind of interesting here. Uh, this team that we have, maybe our cornerbacks won't actually be playing either <laughs> for this team or it's going to take some time or some negotiations to get them happy. But I have Stephon Gilmore and then I have Tredavious White. I mean, this is just – these are elite-level cornerbacks. I had Tredavious White at number two just because Stephon Gilmore had a little bit of a down year last year. Granted, he was coming off Defensive Player of the Year in 2019, so maybe there was nowhere else to go but down. Uh, But I really like Trey White as well. Uh, I talked about that stat with Xavier Howard. Well, Trey White has 17.1% of his targets broken up or intercepted since he's come into the league. That's top five among all corners. I I really, when I think of big play corners, I think of him. Uh, not that Gilmore is not good, but I don't know. Sometimes like I like a corner that's willing to maybe get burned a couple times if you can make a game-changing play. Uh, so I went with him number two, Gilmore number three. I'm fine with that, though. I'm not going to quibble over fine points. If we move to safety, uh, I want to give another love to a New York Jet, and that's Marcus May. You know, Jamal mm-hmm. Adams got a lot of the headlines when he was in New York, but turns out Marcus May is a pretty damn good safety, and I actually think that the trade of Adams helped him he kind of turned into a do-it-all safety for the Jets. He had his highest career PFF grade last year, despite playing his highest number of snaps in the box and in the slot. So he was everywhere, and he thrived everywhere he went. I think the Jets made the right call, obviously, to trade Jamal Adams for what they did. And I'd rather have Marcus May, honestly, you know, all things being equal. And I think especially the contract that Jamal Adams wants and is going to get from someone at some point is going to be a like really bad overpay. Not to say Jamal Adams doesn't have any value, but I think he's going to be overvalued on his new deal where I think Marcus May will probably sign to like a relatively more reasonable deal and just a better, more valuable player. So, yeah, definitely have Marcus May in my uh, safety lineup as well. 
Who was your number two safety? So I had I, this was a, a tough pick between Micah Hyde and the guy I did pick, Jordan Poyer. So again, maybe I should really just run with three safeties here and get them all in. I could really easily do that instead of having two linebackers. Um, but I went with Jordan Poyer in part because he used to be an Eagle. And I have my former <laughs> Eagles bias that I'm putting in here. But I also think he's just a really good, versatile player. I like what he's become. He entered the league as a cornerback. Um, he shifted his game. And he's really developed into a nice player. And I just think like he's a big play guy. I like his energy. I just I just like a Jordan Poyer. When I see him, when I see the Bills play, I notice Jordan Poyer. He pops to me. That's totally fair. I went with Micah Hyde. I didn't feel super strongly about it. I don't think Hyde is spectacular. I just think he's a really solid guy. He's played in Buffalo consistently. He's been able to stay healthy. He's had about 70-plus tackles a year when he's been there. Uh, Not amazing, but just a solid, solid player. And if I'm picking my number two safety, I'm fine with that kind of guy in that spot. Coach is, to me, obvious. It's Bill Belichick. But I want to give Sean McDermott some love. You know I'm a Sean McDermott fan. I don't think people realize what he's done. He's 38 and 26 there with the Bills. He's only had one losing season. They've averaged nine and a half wins a year since he's been there. And they have 38 wins over his four years in Buffalo. That's only happened one other time in the history of the Bills. And it's when they went to their four straight Super Bowls from 90 to 93. So he's doing something that basically no other coach in the team's history except for one has ever been able to do. And he deserves to get credit for it. Damn it. Sure. Um, Also, I think a key thing that he probably learned from Andy Reid, too, is building a good coaching staff. And you brought up Dable earlier and having him on the coaching staff. That was a really good hire, especially for him being a more you know defensive background kind of guy. You have to nail that offensive coordinator pick. And he did to his credit. So um, kudos to him. Arguably could take the top spot if the Patriots proved to be total frauds this year, just based oh, on merit next on. year. Come no, on. I mean, I mean, if we're talking legacy, no, obviously. But if we're talking like who's the best right now, if we're doing this activity next year, I think McDermott does have a chance to be the, the coach we pick instead of Belichick, just based on like who is the best right now. Look, stats, the NFL. It's about what have you done for me lately? And <laughs> if Bill Belichick has a bad season this year, which is possible, then I'm going with Sean McDermott probably next year. I think if Bill Belichick got himself an actual GM, that would make Bill Belichick, the coach, look even better. I think the real problem with New England is they the players that they have to work with have not really been great. Like, who have been the standout players in New England the last couple seasons? Other than Tom Brady, it's like, uh, well, you know, like Stephon Gilmore, yeah. But they just, they need a better GM. Unfortunately, I don't know that Belichick's ever going to give up those powers because at this point in his career, he's like, I'm not, listening to anyone else all my rings are blinding me from from hearing any other advice but i still got to go with belichick even though i love sean if, if it was like any other division i think sean mcdermott would have a damn good case to be the best guy it's just he's in the afc east and that's where big bill is so that's our afc's team and obviously we want to give a shout out to all the sb nation nfl blogs that cover the afc east very well which is Pat's Pulpit. We have Gangrene Nation for the Jets. Pat's Pulpit for the Patriots, obviously. Did I really need to say that? I did anyway. Uh, Buffalo Rumblings for the Bills. And then we have the Finsider, which is a really good name for the Dolphins. Shout out to those guys. Check out any of the SB Nation sites uh, for all your team needs. Forget ESPN.com. Don't waste your time with that. Like I said before, if you missed any of the divisional previews, you can check out all of them on the SB Nation NFL feed 
Also, I want to give a shout out to myself and RJ Ochoa. We just taped an episode with Steven Ruiz from For the Win, all about the new Madden game and why we think it's a, they're trying to pull the wool over your eyes, basically. They're peeing on your leg and telling you it's raining. The stuff that they're telling you is new, is not really new. So if you're a big fan of Madden, you might want to check that out as well, BLG. Are you a huge gamer? Uh, I not. I wouldn't say I'm a huge gamer. I did listen to the the episode you're mentioning. By the way, I thought it was a good episode. People should listen. Um, I haven't played Madden in years. I remember the last time I think I got Madden stats as was not a fun time because my friend convinced me to buy it because he was like, "Oh, I got it." So like, you have to get it so we can play. And I'm like, "Look, I don't get Madden every year." I, at the time, I was kind of doing like an every other year kind of thing with it. Okay. Uh, at at least, if not longer. And I broke the rule for my friend here. And then my friend sold the game after like <laughs> had it for like, a couple of weeks. So I'm like, dude, like I didn't want to buy this game and you made me buy this game. And I was like pretty like firm about like, I don't want to buy this. And you convinced me to do it. And then you sold it. And I found out like after the fact, I don't even think he was upfront with me. Like I found out about it. I was like, Hey, are we going to play? And he's like, Oh, I sold it. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> dude, that is weak sauce. What was his response? He he took the L on it. He said it was he he's admit he's a, first of all great friend. This is like one of the very few bad things he's ever done to me. It was just a you know as a, we, we're not perfect beings. That's I can forgive him. He admitted that it was a really bad move by him. You know things happen, but uh, yeah, it was not fun at the time. Wow, you know what? I feel like that's the only thing that could have saved it. If he doesn't take the L there, I feel like that you know that's just violating the friend code big time. And like you said, we all make mistakes. We all screw up. Everybody takes the L at some point. But the important thing is when it's your time to take the L, you step up and you do it. And it sounds like he did. And I'm glad that you guys are still friends. Well, thank you, Stats. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And obviously, you know, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Please leave us a question in the reviews. Because then, Stats, I don't know if you know this. It is legally binding that we have to answer any question that anyone leaves us. They could ask us anything. They could ask us our social security numbers, and we would not give it to them, but we could have some kind of answer instead that would deflect from that kind of confidential information. But we'd have to address the question. So leave us a question. We'll read it. We'll address it in some form. Might not be the answer you want, but it is the answer you need. Yes, please do. It takes very little time for you. It makes a big difference for us. So please keep that up. Enjoy training camp, everybody. We made it through the off season. The 2021 season is here. Enjoy that. And we will talk to you next week. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs. You might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. 
dev teams, you get a zero setup developer first environment combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features.